0: From Hollywood to Capitol Hill, sexual harassment has been in the news a lot lately. Some organizations seem particularly prone to sexual harassment and discrimination. OHSU is trying to avoid becoming one of those places. It's Tuesday, November 28th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. I spoke with Holly Hemingway and Laura Statham about OHSU's policies and procedures related to harassment and discrimination. So Holly, what is your role at OHSU?
1: I'm the director of human resources for healthcare and central services, and also do employee and labor
2: relations for OHSU.
0: And Laura, what is your role?
2: Um, My role is the Interim Associate Director for the Affirmative Action Equal Opportunity Department and Title IX Coordinator for OHSU.
0: What is Title IX and what does it mean to be the Title IX Coordinator?
2: Um, Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 is a federal law which prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex or gender in employment as well as in education programs and activities. Um, It includes behaviors such as uh, sexual harassment, sexual violence and misconduct, sexual assault, sexual exploitation, stalking, bullying, partnership, partner relationship violence. Um, It applies to all students, employees, faculty, and visitors, guests, patients. Um, So all members of the OHSU uh, community are Um, covered under Title IX and as Title IX coordinator, I oversee OHSU's compliance with Title IX and that includes overseeing our investigations related to Title IX violations as well as any training and education um, and responses to Title IX violation complaints um, and providing resources and support to uh, parties involved.
0: So this is the same Title IX that people think of when they think of women in athletics, but it's it sounds like it's a lot more than
2: it that. It is. It's a lot more than that. So it's grown a lot in the last um, 20 years. It's always me- been uh, intended to uh, apply broadly, but at, for the first 30 years or so, it's been primarily uh, focused on Title IX athletics, so women in sports. Um, but... Uh, We're seeing a lot more attention right now in uh, sexual assault on college campuses, and now it's reaching uh, other higher education institutions like OHSU.
0: So, Holly, sexual harassment has been in the news a lot lately. What is OHSU's policy on sexual harassment?
2: So,
1: OHSU actually has two policies. One, overarching harassment, um, which covers all protected classes, and then one on sexual harassment. Both of these policies are on O2 and available to employees. I think the important thing to point out about both policies is that all members of the OHSU community are responsible for reporting if um, they witness or
2: experience any type of harassing behavior. Um, So Holly mentioned reporting options and OHSU has several formal options for reporting concerns. They can call or email my office, um, the Affirmative Action Equal Opportunity Office, which is the office primarily responsible for investigating any civil rights complaints. Or they can contact their HR business partner or file a report through the Integrity Hotline. Um, The Integrity Hotline offers anonymous options for reporting if the person wishes to do so. And you can find information about all of those reporting options on the O2. An employee can also contact their manager or another trusted leader. Um, That person would then be responsible for getting that information to AAEO or HR. If someone experiences or witnesses something that they believe might be violence or sexual violence, um, we would also encourage them to contact Public Safety. Um, If anyone reported something of that nature to our office, we wouldn't report on their behalf, but would give them options about reporting to Public Safety if that's what they chose to do. Um, The important thing for us is that we want folks to raise their concerns because we really can't do anything about it unless we know about it. Employees shouldn't be worried or students shouldn't be worried about whether they are using the correct avenue to report, just that they are um, getting help and resources and uh, trust that we will um, get the information to the right department.
0: What is the difference between discrimination and harassment?
2: discrimination
1: occurs when someone treats members of a certain protected class unfairly and differently because of their membership in those groups harassment is a form of discrimination and it involves acts or behaviors that are typically targeted towards one person or a group of people so for example if a woman isn't selected for a promotion simply on the grounds that she's female that's discrimination But if a woman is called derogatory names because she's female, then that's a form of harassment.
0: What happens when someone reports sexual harassment or discrimination at OHSU?
2: Well, before we initiate any type of investigation, we really try to meet with the individual who's reporting it to give them their options and provide them resources and support. We know that reporting can be a really difficult experience, um, so we want to understand what their expectations are and go over next steps, and that would be true whether they um, came to AAEO or HR. We do the majority of investigations into sexual harassment, but we will work closely with HR throughout the process if an employee is involved, and HR will do some of those cases as well. Um, we take seriously all complaints of sex and gender discrimination and harassment, but we are also committed to respecting the privacy and limiting the sharing of information that we dis, uh, disclose to those who have a need to know.
0: You mentioned investigating these claims. Who are the people who do the investigations and what's their background?
2: So um, all of the affirmative action, equal opportunity, civil rights investigators are trained attorneys. They aren't lawyers for OHSU. We are neutral third-party investigators and um, they're all trained in trauma-informed investigating techniques. So we do try to... um, make the experience, although difficult, as uh, comfortable as possible under the circumstances. We have a great team of people, and um, they're all trained to provide resources and support to folks, whether you're reporting or responding party, and they all have experience in um, investigating these types of complaints.
0: OHSU employees are constantly interacting with patients and other members of the public. What if the harassment is coming from someone who doesn't work for OHSU?
1: Yeah, any time a person subjected to a hospital work environment um, or educational environment that's due to harassment or discrimination, OHSU is obligated to take certain action, and it, that's regardless of who do, is doing the harassing. Uh, sometimes it's committed by people who don't work or go to school here. Um, we have instances where that might come from patients, vendors, independent contractors regardless when it's committed to an OHSU member, um, whether it's by an OHSU member or not, our responsibility is the same. We must take reasonable steps to put an end to the harassing behavior.
0: So what information should someone who reported sexual harassment or discrimination expect to receive about the investigation?
2: So an important thing to know is that AEO and HR um, offer a breadth of resolution options for complaints and concerns reported to our departments. Regardless of how we receive the report, our priorities are to ensure the reporting party's safety while offering a space for choice in the next steps. So prior to taking any identifying information, we do attempt to answer questions and provide confidential resources who individually to individuals who may be interested in reporting. Some of those confidential resources, just so folks know, if you're an employee, you can speak with Merle Graybill, who's the ombudsman. She's also available to students. Students also can access the JBT Health and Wellness Center confidentially, and we also have the Employee Assistance Program for employees. Our investigations determine whether a respondent has violated OHSU's policy, and if so, what disciplinary actions and remedial measures are appropriate, and we do that in collaboration with HR. OHSU uses the preponderance of the evidence standard to determine whether that there has been a policy violation, and that means over 50 percent of the evidence supports a finding. So once a report has been made and um, an investigator has been assigned to the case, that investigator will meet with the parties individually to take their statements the parties also have a right to have an advisor with them at that interview. They'll res- they'll speak to relevant witnesses and review um, evidence before making that determination. And while an investigation is pending, we can also take Im- implement interim measures as appropriate under the circumstances to assist or protect persons who may have been subjected to sexual harassment or misconduct as well as to protect the OHSU community from the misconduct reoccurring. So for example, that could include accommodating a work schedule change or um, offering support or counseling to the individuals involved.
0: So how does that compare to a criminal investigation?
2: It's quite a bit different. So the, a criminal investigation, the standard of evidence is beyond a reasonable doubt which is quite a bit higher than our administrative process uh, standard. And um, you know, in a criminal pr- proceeding, you may be subjected to seeing the person in court. Uh, that's not a part of our process. Um, so they're, they're quite a bit different. Um, you can, of course, have a lawyer present if you're involved, but the uh, advisors are really to be, we call them potted plants. Uh, to serve as a support to the person, ask clarifying questions, but that's the extent of the advisor, advisor's involvement. We also try to complete our investigations on a timeline of less than 60 days. That's not always possible, but we do try and complete them as quickly as possible, and sometimes criminal cases can take years if um, particularly if there is physical evidence involved.
0: So what are potential outcomes from an investigation?
1: For employees, um, we would um, meet with the manager, um, HR, legal, perhaps the AEO would be involved, and we'd discuss how severe the case is. Um, Depending on the person's performance history with us, depending on Um, the exact incident that took place, um, different recommendations may come from that. We might recommend training. We might recommend sanctions that would have disciplinary action, which could include termination. So um, there's a lot of factors that come into play.
0: So if I report a concern, what Um, what level of, what amount of information should I expect to hear back about what happens? If I don't see any visible sign that the person I reported was disciplined, should I assume that nothing happened?
2: At the conclusion of any investigation, we hold closure meetings with both parties and um, the person would be notified of whatever information they had a right to know at that time. So that typically wouldn't include what disciplinary action was taken. That's confidential personnel information but they may be they will be notified of the outcome so whether it was substantiated or not
0: i think that's a piece that's sometimes hard because we can't always see what the disciplinary action is um and without knowing that sometimes it may look like nothing happened but in reality it seems like there are cases where something substantial did happen we just just can't share
2: yeah i think that's a great point and um I think that we really need to put our trust in our HR business partners, our management team, um, that they're making the right decisions and that they're they're doing the right thing to remedy the situation if there has been a finding.
0: Well, so speaking of trust, I've heard a lot lately about institutional biases that protect perpetrators of sexual harassment. Uh, specifically, it's been in the news a lot lately about Congress and Hollywood and And one example of institutional bias is non-disclosure agreements, which prevent victims from speaking out publicly and are seen by many as protecting perpetrators. Does OHSU require individuals who are reporting sexual harassment to sign non-disclosure agreements?
1: So OHSU does not require non-disclosure agreements um, for those reporting potential harassment or discrimination. We do encourage confidentiality from all of those who participate in an investigation, and that's so we can conduct the investigation as fairly and objectively as possible. But Oregon labor laws and other laws and regulations prevent us from prohibiting employees to discuss a claim of harassment. From time to time, A post-investigation resolution may include a separation agreement, and a separation agreement is a legal document that the parties execute to close the dispute. These agreements may contain non-disclosure language as part of the closing out of the case. However, the parties who are subject to those agreements would still have the ability to speak with family, counselors, legal counsel, or any other advisory or support role.
0: So what prevents these forms of institutional bias from existing here at OHSU?
2: Well, I don't think we can deny that institutional bias exists at OHSU because it exists everywhere. Um, I think the question is, what are we doing to prevent it? And we are making significant training and outreach efforts. However, there's a lot of work to be done. The Center for Diversity and Inclusion is helping raise awareness through their unconscious bias initiative, and I think that will be a great next step. However, OHSU members still need to be armed with information about their rights and responsibilities, and we do that through the respect of the university module, new employee and new student orientation, and other training opportunities. Um, But... Holly and I are always available to come and speak to any departments who would like to continue this conversation. I think we would both like to see more training done in this area and um, are always open to um, coming out and doing those trainings and informing folks about this uh, topic.
0: Many victims are afraid to come forward for fear of retaliation. What would you say to someone who has that fear?
1: So OHSU prohibits retaliation, whether it is um, for employees, students, others um, who might come forward with a complaint. We recognize that that's a really scary thing to do, and we recognize that retaliation does happen, and we hope that they will come forward and let us know if they do experience that. What I would say is that Too often I think we receive complaints of an anonymous nature, and that makes it very, very difficult for us to investigate those. So um, where we recognize usually those anonymous complaints come from someone being afraid of retaliation, um, it also is prohibitive for us to really be able to fully investigate.
2: And to add to that, I would say if that's something that you're concerned about, at least coming forward to get information uh, about what some potential next steps could be is a great option. If you're concerned about retaliation, there might be other things that we can do to help minimize the um, impact on you as a reporting party, if that's something you're concerned about. And there may be other alternative resolution methods that would be effective and would help protect protect those concerns from becoming a reality.
0: With so many people coming forward in the news lately, have have you seen an uptick in sexual harassment complaints here at OHSU?
2: We haven't analyzed the data for this uh, up to this fiscal year, but last year we did see an increase in sexual harassment complaints and we've definitely had increased conversation and discussion on this topic, especially this fall, and I think that's a great indicator it's a really positive indicator it um, we would never say that an increase in complaints is a bad thing we think it's a good thing because we know that these things have been happening but people are now feeling empowered to come forward and um, I I would say the media has definitely helped empower folks and there's been strength in numbers um, for folks to feel comfortable and safe to come forward so we really encourage and hope that we'll continue to see that the increase.
0: So what would you say to someone who's experiencing sexual harassment and who hasn't come forward yet?
2: That's a tough question. I think, um, it really is a response that has to be given face to face. Um, it's a really traumatizing experience and, um, I recognize that, Holly, we recognize that. Our offices experience and see folks coming in all the time who are dealing with these situations. So I would say you're not alone, unfortunately, Um, but that you have support and resources available to you at AEO, in HR, um, throughout campus. You you do have allies and support networks here. And um, if you contact us, if you reach out, we can help We can help you.
1: I think we also find that um, people may not report because they're concerned that maybe what they're experiencing is their fault Mm -hmm. or um, other situations that um, keep them from feeling that they're the one in the power position. I would say that if they're experiencing some concern That the first thing that they need to know is we want to know about it. We want to be able to look into it and um, hopefully get them out of a troubling position that they may be in, but also to prevent other employees from experiencing something similar.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Holly. And I would also add that we would hope that folks can come forward sooner rather than later before the situation escalates and they feel like it's out of their control or it's um, too late. So um, definitely reach out sooner. And um, there's never a wrong place to report just to let someone know.
0: Well, thank you both for your time. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by me and edited by Josh Anderson. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.